Good morning, everyone. It's great to be here. For those who uh, haven't met me, my name's Mark uh, Sanders. I have the privilege of uh, preaching this morning, but also of being um, senior pastor of uh, Hills Baptist Church. I'm normally across at Allgate. Um, it's always a blessing to come across uh, here to Verdun and visit and see you guys and see what God is doing here. I believe last week marked five years since uh, the church was planted, five years ago. And I remember really well that first service. Who was at that first service? Just a few, hey? God's done an amazing work in building uh, a community and a church here. And uh, just, just standing there worshipping and just glimpsing out of my eye that the people worshipping and hearing it. Um, I think two really awesome things I want to affirm in this community is that I think God's given you a heart to really worship God. And I think he's given you a great hunger to know God more. And I want to affirm you in that. I also want to say thank you to everyone who's part of this church. Kind of as a senior pastor, I want to say thank you to everyone for this year. Because for people who are serving, for people who are part of this church, there's been all these points at this year where you could have just checked out, you know, like four months of not having church. And there's like, now it's two services, not one. And now you've got to register. I don't know. Do you have to register here? Yes, you do. And all of that stuff. And kids are somewhere separate, and it's all different. It keeps changing. You've got to, times are changing. All of that stuff is, I'm sick of it. <laughs> I'm absolutely sick of it. I'm sick of calculating one, you know, how much people can fit in this space and that. And actually, for all that, it's been really hard because we've got a really small room. And so we can have uh, much, very small numbers at the moment, and we've got overflow rooms, and it's, it's a nightmare. But anyway, well done on sticking through this year. You know, we could have seen numbers drop away, we could have seen giving drop away, we could have seen serving drop away, and I am so thankful to our church, and I'm thankful for God uh, for what he's doing as well. So, well done, guys. Awesome. This morning, uh, I'm going to preach to you from Matthew chapter 5, uh, verses 14 to 16. It is not a complex passage, nor a long passage. And uh, my wife said to me uh, this week, she said, what are you preaching on? I was with all the kids, we're all, we're all in the house. And I said, I'm preaching on, uh, let your light shine. And then like my wife and my kids all went, whoa, let your light shine. I'm pretty much saying what that song says in my sermon. So if you know that song, let your light shine and let Jesus shine through you. That's pretty much my message. But anyway, I'll say more than that. Let's look at Matthew uh, chapter 5, um, three verses. Uh, verse 14 to 16. You are the light of the world. A town or a city built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. This week, um, uh, I was coming here to preach, and Dave said, well, this, the series is called The Commands of Christ. And he told me the couple that they'd covered already. And he said, just, just choose a command of Christ. Just choose any of his commands. I thought, well, that's, that's fairly wide scope to go with. And so I thought to myself, um, I'm going to just choose a sermon I've done previously because um, I'm a little tired. It's the end of the year, and I've had a big run of preaching back at all. I thought, I'm just... You know, I don't feel like writing a whole sermon. I'll just find one that's efficient. 
So I looked up all the sermons that I preached from the Gospels. I've been preaching for quite a few years. I've preached quite a few sermons. So I started looking and I'm like, yeah, that's uh, maybe. No, I don't think that's the one. I look at another one. No, that's not the one. Think of another one. I'm trying to think, what, which one should I preach out of these many that I've preached? And I feel like God told me none of them. Seriously, I really don't feel like writing a whole fresh sermon. And then I open up to the Bible straight away. I open the Bible, probably the place I should have started, right? I open the Bible and God took me straight to this passage. I was like, I've got to preach from that passage. I want to share with you that we talked about this being five years since uh, and one week since the church was planted before the church was planted, we wrestled for some time as to whether to plant a church. And that came with inherent challenges, risks and possibilities that were good and, and potential risks as well. But in praying about it one day, we, we had a prayer meeting, I was praying and God gave me one of the most clear and profound sort of prophetic visions that I've ever been given. And it was a vision where God sort of showed me a picture where I was like, above the Adelaide Hills, like in a plane looking down or kind of Google Earth view. And, and I was looking down across all the hills and the valleys and, and then in the valleys, all the valleys were filled with this blackness, this inky blackness. But then I saw on the top of the hills, there was, there was lights. There was these little lights dotted throughout the hills and the light that was coming from these lights was not kind of like harsh fluoro light it was it was the most beautiful light like that that vision was probably six years ago and I can picture that exact vision today as clear as though it was a moment ago that God gave it to me it was this picture of of light that was golden in a glowing light and and the light each light was increasing and then new lights were being planted and new lights were being established and as the light began to be established in other places then it began to spread out and link up and then the light filled the darkness and that vision was so central to the planting of Hills Baptist that we did not plant a church because we wanted to grow a church that could be churchy and be an institution but we wanted to plant something so that we could be a light to our world and the second second thing is a personal story sorry Adam um when I was about 17, I became a Christian. I'd grown up in a, in a, in a church home and I'd always believed in God. But I gave my life to Jesus when I was 17 at the, and a half at the very start of my university course. Of, went to a university commencement camp. And I was down at Normanville in a campsite that's up on a hill there in the, in the, in the main meeting shed hall thing. I became a Christian in that place. And then three years later, I was, I was at another conference or camp in that same campsite and I was also in that same hall and God broke me over this passage like you know when God just goes bam and you need to hear something just between the eyes this passage uh, spoke to me profoundly because what I'd been doing was living out my Christian faith in such a way because I was the, the president of the, uh, the university Christian group for my campus, which sounds really important. There was like 15 of us in the group. So um, it's probably only three in our final year. So it wasn't a huge selection pool to choose from. Uh, but I'd been like, you know, I'd rock up at the university campus thing. Here I am, I'm the president, I'm leading and I'm the Christian but then I, I, would, I would go back and I would, uh, when, I, when I left for that meeting, I'd always sneak away to it. 
There was one time I was in the hallway and I said, I'm just going somewhere. And my mate said, where are you headed? I said, I've just, I've just got to go and do something. I'm like, well, what are you going to? They said, oh, I've just got to go and meet with some people and do something. And he said, I'll come with you. I'll come with you. I said, no, no, it's, it's okay. Don't, don't worry about it. That's a true story. And then God convicted me that I was living out of fear of what other people thought about me and worry about that. And this passage just broke me. And I felt this passage was actually one of the crucial parts of me uh, stepping into, eventually, into ministry. This desire that I'm no longer going to be driven by fear. I'm going to be driven by the desire to let my light shine. That beautiful old song. So uh, that's why I'm preaching this this morning. And um, as I said, the command is very simple. In fact, when I consider the commands of Jesus, the commands of Jesus are actually generally very simple. It's applying them and living them that's challenging. You know, love one another as I have loved you. Forgive those who have sinned against you. They're very simple to understand, much harder to live out. And so uh, this morning I want to just go into this a little bit and uh, I'm going to give a little bit of a biblical context overview of this uh, very concept of light. And we're going to start right at Genesis chapter 1, the origin of light. Where does... Where do we understand when Jesus says, let your light shine? And when he says, you are the light of the world, where does all this start? It starts in Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of the God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light, and God saw that the light was good. The origin of the light never starts with us. It never just exists uh, by chance. The light exists. The light we see exists because God created the light. He is the origin of light, as he is the origin of every good thing, as he is the, is the origin of, of beauty and, and all the goodness that we see in the world. It all starts with God. Genesis chapter 1. If we're going to understand, let your light shine, we've got to understand that any light that we shine is light that has been created by and started with God. He's the origin. Okay, I want to move ahead. Uh, in, in Exodus, in Exodus, God's people, by the way, Genesis, Exodus, I'm not going through all 66 books of the Bible, just to give you a heads up. In Exodus, uh, God's people are in slavery in Egypt. And God wants to set them free, so he sends a whole bunch of plagues. And if you, if you know this story, we sort of remember the plague of the flies and the frogs and all this kind of stuff. But the second to last plague that God sends is actually the plague of darkness. Isn't that interesting? He sends the plague of darkness. And it says that um, it was dark over the land for three days, yet it says all the Israelites had light in the place where they live. The whole country was, was shrouded in darkness, but where the Israelites were, in the homes where they lived, there was light. And then God leads them out of uh, Egypt in the Exodus, and he leads them out into the, um, into the, uh, across the Red Sea. And it says that just before they crossed the sea, um, it says this, it says, By day the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light. It's just saying something uh, that, that um, it says neither, neither the pillar of the cloud nor the pillar of fire left its place in front of the people. 
And there's something about the place where God's light needs to be is in front of God's people. God's light needs to be in front of us. If we're going to shine the light of Jesus, that's, that happens when God's light is in front of us. And God didn't continue to lead them by a pillar of fire and cloud. What he did is he gave them his law. We think about the law as a very cold thing, like a, a bunch of rules. We read back to the law in Exodus and it, it all sounds very much like a series of laws. But to the Israelites, it meant so much more. It meant God being with them and guiding them through his word. That's why when you read Psalm 119, it just, it just if you read it, it's a really long psalm and it's very repetitive. It just says how much it, he loves God's law and his statutes. And in the midst of that psalm, he says this, the psalm writer, he says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And he speaks about keeping God's word, God's light, therefore, before him, to have the light before him, that he's constantly drawing from this light. Now, also in Exodus, a few chapters later, Moses goes up to Mount Sinai and uh, he meets with God. And he encounters the presence and the glory of God. And when he comes down the mountain, he doesn't realize this, but everyone is scared of him because his entire face is a light with the glory of God. It is reflecting the glory of God. There's a picture for you about light and what it means for us to shine our light right there from Exodus. That he's been in the presence of God and now the people actually can visually, physically see the light shining from him it's so much so that he's got to put on a veil when he's with the people so that he doesn't freak them out so much because the glory of God is shining out of him now all that said let's jump ahead to John chapter 1 and here we come to Jesus and this is really uh really important in the beginning was the word and the word being Jesus was with God and the word was God He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testifying concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. This is kind of when you understand Genesis and you understand Exodus, then this passage about Jesus being the light is profound and important. That the true light that gives light to everyone. Again, where does our light come from? It comes from God. It comes from Jesus. It's come from, it is a gift given to us. His light put inside of us. The true light given to everyone. And given, of course, to illuminate to us, to show us the nature of God and the love of God comes in Jesus. And Jesus comes into the world and in John chapter 8, he makes this incredible declaration. I am, one of the I am statements from John, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me, will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. All right. There's a whole heap of Bible. Now let's bring it back to this passage, Matthew chapter 5. What do we draw out of all of this? 
Well, firstly, the, the obvious application is this, that we have been given light to shine. We have been given a beautiful light to shine. When Jesus walked among the, well, uh, among the people of, of Israel, uh, it was just a, I love the stories because it wasn't that Jesus had to seek people out. Jesus, in the end, actually had to stay out of the towns because the crowds came to him so much. That this light, this beautiful light that shone out of Jesus drew people to himself. And he actually drew the kind of people who normally felt rejected by the religious leaders. He drew the people who were on the fringes, who were on the margins. He drew the people that were broken. He drew the people who thought, we are not, we're not accepted. But then they saw this light in Jesus and they saw there's something about this light. We're just drawn to it because it's a beautiful light, the light that Jesus is shining. Like Zacchaeus, classic Sunday school story, but a great story. He's this tax collector and he's up the tree and he's trying to see because he's too small so he climbs a tree so he can see Jesus walking past and there's this huge crowd gathered around to see Jesus coming through a town and then Jesus stops and looks up at him and says Zacchaeus come down from the tree I am gonna come to your house today and have lunch I'm gonna bring my light to you I'm bringing it into your home my home this the light is gonna enter your your home like I'm not you might be a tax collector and a sinner but it doesn't mean I'm going to stand far away because actually I've come to save people just like you and Zacchaeus comes down from the tree and says today says in front of everyone today I'm going to give away I'm going to give back everything that I've that I've owed everyone if I've wronged anyone I'm going to give them back four times as much he says today salvation has come to this home today the light has entered a man who's just been living in darkness Today, this, this dark life where, where his whole life has been about corruption and about taking advantage of people and just doing everything he can for his own personal gain. But a light has come in and now the light's going to shine out of him and it's, he's going to live it out in his life. We've been given a light to shine. But sadly, uh, I'm just going to grab something here. Sadly, all too often, this is how we live because our culture... Uh, is telling us all the time these days in Australia, you can have your belief system, but just keep it to yourself. You know, you've, but Jesus has given us a light, and what's the point of having a light if you don't shine it? In fact, where, does the, where, where is light most needed? When do you need a light the most? In the darkness. You know, when the, when you, when the light's go out you have a storm come through and the lights go out in your house and you rush around like crazy we need light where's a candle where's a torch these days you kind of got your phone but that, that moment it's like I'm in darkness I need the light and you rush around and then you find something and you put on a light and you're like it's okay now we got light the great irony for many of us as Christians is that we come into church and we're like we got we got the light kind of hidden in our backpack and we, we, we carried around hidden blocked and we come into church it's like okay the path is clear I'm among my Christian brothers and sisters now hey shine Jesus shine you know <laughs> and we shine the light we sing we praise we talk about our faith and then it's like okay we're leaving now all right okay I'm right to go now and we walk around and get to Tuesday night, small group night. I'm so up for small group night. Here we go. Let's get the light out. Hey, how good is Jesus? You know, let's shine the light. 
but the light it's a blessing actually to encourage each other and to shine the light to each other and build each other up but the light is created to shine into the darkness we are created as a church and we're, we're created as Christians and given a mission and a commission to shine the light, not just within, but to shine it out. Like, why would you take a lamp, as the passage says, and you've got to stand there and you go, hmm, I've got this lamp and it's completely dark in the house. I'm just going to go and place it under a bowl. It doesn't make any sense. You place it on its stand and it gives light to the whole household. No one lights a lamp. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Uh, what, a, what a picture. You know, you imagine if you're a, on a journey, maybe hundreds of years ago in, in ancient times, and you're traveling through, like, let's say, those, those villages in, you know, Italy, the hilltop villages. You can, most people can picture that. And you're traveling through the countryside, and at night is, is when there's bandits and when there's danger and when there's, you could trip over something and you, you maybe lose your way, but then you see your destination. It's this city on a hill. And it's lit up, it's illuminated. You know, now I know where I'm heading. We need a, a world that, uh, we've got a world that needs the light of Jesus. But here's the deal. We cannot shine the light of ourselves. We've got to shine the light of Jesus. If we just shine the light of ourselves, we will, we'll end up actually, uh, if we're not drawing close to Jesus, we end up just shining ourselves, which we end up being phonies and fakes. Because we're not that shiny. <laughs> I'm not that shiny. And sometimes churches have this culture, and I, I pray we're never going to this place, where like everyone's got to come in and pretend how shiny they are. And, and then, then the shiniest of all has to be the pastor and his spouse and his kids. They've got to be perfectly shiny. And we can't let you into our lives because if you, you might discover we're not actually that shiny. My wife showed me something that was in the paper um, it was a joke. It was a, a, a job advert for a pastor's spouse. It says this, pastor's spouse must sing, play music, lead youth groups, work in the creche, raise angelic children, entertain church notables, minister to other spouses, have the ability to recite the Bible backwards, teach Sunday school, lead rafting trips, Choreographed Christmas and Easter pageants must be skilled in writing newsletters and bulletins. Have very keen listening skills, yet never voice an opinion. Must be self-sacrificing. <laughs> Modest in dress. Keep the pastor satisfied. Peaceful. And keep out of trouble, run a household. Creatively feed a family on limited budget. Be willing to share the... Uh, the pastor's time graciously without ever complaining about it. Salary, zero dollars. <laughs> I don't want to be projecting an image. I'm not perfect. My, my family life isn't perfect. I'm not the perfect dad. I'm not the perfect husband. My kids aren't perfect. They're actually pretty good, but they're not perfect. <laughs> so it's not about being a phony but it's about allowing Jesus to shine out. His goodness, his grace, his life. Having said that, when we come into a room, uh, we do have a choice to make every time we walk into a room. Because some people walk into a room and they're like dark cloud. They're like a storm every time they walk into a room. And others walk into the room and they kind of bring some illumination to the room. 
So there is actually a choice that we make. Yes, we go through hard times. We don't have to put on some phony face and say, hey, we're all good, everything's perfect. But actually we do also within that have a choice to make whether we're actually going to bring the light that God's placed within us. They're actually going to bring, bring words of encouragement and bring words of hope and bring words of life to people and show the actions of Jesus. And when we see brokenness and when we see hurt, when we see uh, the need for healing, when we see the need for encouragement, we're actually people that are willing to go out of a way to do those things, to bring that light. But let me come back to the key thing. We need to be like Moses. Because Moses went up the mountain and spent time with Jesus. Not with Jesus, where we spent time with God, Father. And we are too. You see, in um, 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18, it says this. It talks about how we, who with unveiled faces, all reflect the Lord's glory. See, in the time of Moses, only Moses went up the mountain and was in God's presence. But by the Holy Spirit, by the Word of God, all of us now have the privilege of being in God's presence. And so because of that, all of us can reflect the Lord's glory. And when you get not just one leader reflecting the Lord's glory, but you get a whole church of people reflecting the Lord's glory, then there's an incredible power for us to be the light. Because this week I'm going to encounter a few people, but you're going to encounter some people who need the light of Jesus. And you're going to encounter them in your workplace. And you're going to encounter them in your family situation and in your hobby and in your friendship networks. And all the people that you're going to see, I'm not going to see. And all the people that I'm, I'm going to see, most of them you're not going to see. But together, you think about the light of Jesus being shared by all of us and the impact that has from a church this size. If we begin to shine the light of Jesus and not hide it away in a backpack, but actually shine it, there is an incredible power. But it comes from us coming before Jesus, coming before the Father, coming before his light and allowing them his glory to be reflected in revelation chapter 22 we get to we started at the very first chapter of the bible let's let's go to the very end of the bible the very last chapter and this is i reckon this is just amazing i love this this week when i discovered this that the very first chapter of the bible speaks about light and what do you think the very last chapter is going to speak about light says this Then the angel, this is kind of like a a glimpse of heaven in this apocalyptic language of revelation, but I think you'll catch this. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, down the middle of the great street of the city. And on each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him. They will see his face. They will see his face. And his name will be written on their foreheads. And there will be no night. And they will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever. Man, I was just like, awesome. When I discovered that this week, that the very first chapter is that God creating the light with his very first words. The very last chapter 
is this declaration that one day we are going to be in eternity, in heaven with God, in, in the, the new heavens and the new earth and the eternal the city. We can't get our heads around what that will be. We only get a glimpse of it in Revelation. But we will see God face to face and we won't need the sun or a lamp anymore because He will be our light. And really, that's the assurance that we have all of those here this morning and hearing online who have put your trust in Jesus. That is the assurance that you have, that you will be in that place one day and for eternity, face to face with the God who created you and knows you and loves you unconditionally. And so the only question for us is will we shine the light that others might see our good deeds and then in time come themselves to May you go and shine the light, be like a city on a hill, be like a lamb placed on its stand. And let your light shine. Let me pray for you. Father, I want to pray a blessing this morning. Particularly, I want to pray for anyone here this morning who maybe has needed to hear that word of conviction that I heard many years ago. such a way that you're only shining your light when you're amongst other Christians, which is kind of counterproductive. When the call of God is to let your light shine so that others may see it. So that you this beautiful, beautiful, perfect light of Jesus might shine out of you. I pray that God would just remove your fear and give you a, a conviction to say, I'm going to I'm gonna be, be stronger in, in my boldness and in encourage as I draw near to God and get strength. May God give that to you as a gift of grace, courage, boldness, take away your fear and give you wisdom and discernment about how to shine that light to family members who may not know Jesus, to friends who may not, work colleagues, the people in your circle. Sometimes we don't know where to start or what to say or how to do that starts with a heart, a heart that says, I want to shine. Today, 